Hi, this is Michelle for Dobbs. If you're like me and always search for deals for your car, then check out GoToDobbs.com before you spend a dollar anywhere else. You'll find amazing deals on new tires and expert auto service. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver tire, and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You've heard of all the services Victory Men's Health offers. Now it's even easier with their telehealth service. Whether it's weight loss, hormones, or micronutrient testing, you can be assessed in the comfort of your own home. It's easy by just going to victorymenshealth.com and clicking on telehealth. Pick the service you're interested in, and based on what service you're seeking, a lab draw kit will be shipped right to your home. Then a video telehealth consultation to discuss your results. Telehealth from Victory Men's Health. Victorymenshealth.com for more details. Must be a resident of Illinois or Missouri to use this service. NinjaBling.com, the online home of Moritz Royce Jewelry, the exclusive jeweler of the Riz Show. Check out their huge collection, including one-of-a-kind pieces from the Simon G Collection. Or they can make you your own custom-built piece just for you. And because they have an upstairs location, Moritz Royce can save you money over the street-level stores. Make an appointment. Head to NinjaBling.com to get the address and phone number. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Moritz Royce Jewelry, where you get the jewels and not the shaft. Hotshots Sports Bar and Grill has been a proud home of Blues fans in St. Louis since 1990. And Hotshots is an official partner of your St. Louis Blues. Swing by any of their 10 area locations tonight for the best Blues party in town. And don't forget about Blues Ticket Tuesday with your chance to score a pair of Blues tickets at every Hotshots location during every Tuesday Blues game this season. Get details, see all the specials, and find a Hotshots near you at hotshotsbar.com slash blues. Is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 1057 The Point, and former Blue uh, Jamie Rivers, also our teammate at 101 ESPN. Uh, gentlemen, uh, I absolutely did not expect to be having this conversation with you guys today. I, I very much didn't. I, I And uh, I wasn't trying to underestimate. Vancouver, I just very much at the very least thought that we would win on Friday and push it to a game. Maybe seven. it's maybe it's not an underestimate Vancouver. Maybe you overestimated the Blues. Maybe that's what it was. I, I think it. I, I think maybe that's the case. Oh, sorry. I thought Jeff's mic was off. I'm not picking him <laughs> up at all. Hello. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I'm not picking him up at all. That's right. I'm not saying anything. All important. right. It's you, fine. I think you know that. This is kind of the way it works. Last minute. <laughs> Blues podcast, folks. Once again, last minute. Now, uh, look, I didn't expect it either. But when I, I guess what bothers me the most about this series is that, yes, credit to Vancouver for playing well and capitalizing on their opportunities. But in no way, shape, or form do I feel like Vancouver won that series. I feel like the Blues gifted them that series. Mm, yeah. Yeah, nobody in this room or nobody that's a fan of the Blues thought that Vancouver could beat the Blues in a seven-game series with what we had. No, it's tough. That way. It's tough, and to, for it to go down the way it did in the last game, you know, that just stinks. You, know, you come back with Jordan Bennington, and look, I hate this offseason for him because you don't. it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to be the guy that goes in there, didn't have a great playoffs, round robin, slash, restart, whatever you want to call it, and then get pulled in the last game that you play. So now you're walking off into the sunset, 
you know, like you talk about just polar opposite situations. Last year at this time, he's walking off in the sunset with a Stanley Cup over his shoulder. This year, he's walking off being pulled out of his last game, having an 800 save percentage. And it also sucks because those uh, announcers that don't follow the Blues, don't do their research before the game, next year will say, <laughs> sophomore slump, obviously, for him. No, before the shutdown, dude was pretty damn good. Yeah, the shutdown's the enemy of certain teams here right now. And the more I dive into it, the more I've talked to players around the league that were part of it and that are now back home from other NHL teams that live here in St. Louis, St. Louis Blues players that got back over the weekend. It just was a really, really tough situation. And the teams that will thrive in this are the teams that are able to dial it in the most. And at this point, the quickest, right? Some of these teams looked incredible Coming out of the restart, it's just – I don't want to say it's luck because it's not, but it it kind of is, right? Like as if the three of us come back out of a restart, there might be one of us that after that was not motivated, maybe didn't work out as hard, maybe didn't expect to actually finish this season. Maybe you're still unsure about situations. Maybe you miss your family, whatever it is. So if you have one person, one entity that's not all in, and it's not because they're a bad guy or you know not a good hockey player, just – that's a that's a mental health type of thing. Can I, I want to ask this question, and I, it's going to come off dickish, but that's the farthest from what I mean. Is and I think I I think I know the answer to this, but is the the players not being able to see their families for that long of a time? That has really got to be, I would think, a huge huge thing on almost every one of those dudes. Like you get to a point in your life where you're like, man, you seeing your kids and seeing your wife kind of. Helps the whole thing go. So I would assume that that really has to be a big problem with maybe the only problem with the bubble situation. Well, look, there's a lot, right? Like you, the bubble, everybody, I don't know what your, you know, the picture in your head is of the bubble, but it's not fancy, guys. It's a fenced in compound, basically, is what it is. And you have a few amenities, a couple of pop up restaurants, you have a team room. But, like, that's it. Right. Like, there's nothing else. These guys didn't leave for anything. And it's weird. You're seeing the other teams, like, all over the place and the other coaches. You're missing your family for sure. That's There's no doubt. I think the combination of all of it was probably a lot for some guys to digest and process. And it's not what you're used to. And, yeah, they pump in the crowd noise. Some teams thrive on that okay. energy. Yeah, you know, so I was going to say, this was the same conditions for everybody, so you're just saying the Blues just didn't handle it as well? They're just a different t- type of team, right? Like, they, they really, really pull off the crowd. Whether the crowd loves them or hates them, they pull off of that, and they play a very emotional kind of game, especially when they're on their forecheck and they're pounding teams into the boards and all that stuff. It's really hard to get the fake noise. And Actually, I shouldn't even say that it's really hard because I don't know. I'm just assuming. I've been in training camps where you're out there trying to make the team and you're playing as hard as you can, and it's a weird feeling to not have anybody really watching. Right. So I'm sure there's a lot that went into this that was eye-opening to some guys, and I just don't think they adjusted fast enough. And then even once some of the team did, or half of the team, or three-quarters of the team, the other half just were too far behind at that point. And I think you could see that. You had some guys that were playing – you know, playoff hockey and other guys that were playing training camp kind of hockey. And it was just like, to me, the, the, the difference from the top to the bottom really created unbalance with that team. Boy, it just seems like the defensemen especially 
were doing things and making mistakes that seemingly they don't make a lot. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of, of, of times that I thought, and obviously it's it's a we wish, but like, man, I just wish we had Steady Eddie Jay Bowmeister back there, man. Like, like just doing the role that he does so well. And I think maybe I underestimated how big of a miss or or, or, or a missing piece that he was. All told, seven guys from that team that won are not a part of this team or, or not, we're not on the ice. That is a freaking ton of that turnover. Is, that is really big, especially because all season long we were touting the fact that everybody except for Maroon came back, and this is the same group of guys. We all said they. I remember you saying that many, many times. Then all of a sudden you get in this situation mentally like you were talking about, and then physically you don't have all those same players. That sounds like disaster. Well, you're missing two huge parts of it here, uh, guys. Not you guys. The Blues are is, to your point, Jay Bowmeister. Yeah, he's a calming influence. He is like the the grandfather on the team. He's played forever. He plays twenty minutes a game. He settles down Pareko. He settles down the penalty kill. His demeanor in the locker room is just so calm. Like guys, don't worry. I know there's fire all around us. We're gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Just breathe he looks like that dude he is too, yeah. so like, <laughs> like subdued you'd think someone hit him with a blow dart right, just right like seriously <laughs> and you know what they missed this is one thing that i i find it interesting is for all the complaining and all the critics out there of alexander steen they really missed him mm-hmm. they missed his presence out there and i'm not talking like scoring goals and the his leadership and what he brings to the ice and how he can balance teams mentally. And they missed that. They missed a lot. And I just feel like some guys were trying to play catch up just too much and their tired bodies led to tired brains. And you could see that when there's simple, simple plays like Vince Dunn, this guy is an incredible talent. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it wasn't working. And you know what? I know they haven't come out and said it, but we all know he had COVID. Okay? Like, we all know he had COVID. He was unfit to play for 10 days. Well, geez, I don't know. Tell me what's 10 days. You know, yeah. we all know what went on Got there. It. So what are the after effects, right? And I'm not talking medically here, and I'm not trying to dive into that. What I'm saying is. The trickle down to the team, how that affected yeah, the team. And he, is, he was physically behind, and he was tired. And when he was tired, he made simple passes look really hard. And he, he made plays that were wide open, and he just ignored them and passed the puck into traffic. And it just didn't seem like he ever kind of got going. But what do you do, take him out of the lineup? Right. He has the ability to carry the puck out of the zone every time on his own. So I just think the Blues got into a situation where they were damned if they do, damned if they don't with some of the lineup stuff. And Craig Berube could only do – so many things to tweak it, and he tried. He tried a lot of different combinations, and some of it worked, and ultimately at the end it just didn't work enough. What would you give him, the coach a grade on these playoffs? What would your grade for him be? Um, that's re- that's got to be really tough. You know what I mean? Because yeah, of just all him. of the flipping factors. Yeah, right, right, not you or me. No, not, <laughs> just throw me right that. under the yeah. bus. What a dick. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, yeah, knowing I'm going to see Chief like tomorrow at the right. rink. <laughs> so, A++. Plus plus, <laughs> Cave yeah. the side of my face. And, um, 107%. Sure. No, listen, I think the coaching stuff, here's what I'll say. I don't know about grades because obviously you have to give them an F. They didn't win. Right. right? So that's. They got bounced in the first They got bounced in the first in the first round and the players get the same grade because when you lose, you just, it's a fail. Now to expand on that a little bit, I think the only thing that I would imagine Craig Berube would like to change is how they approached the pause 
as a team and then how they approached the round robin as a team. And like I, maybe those games counted, those games meant a little more than they, they let on? Yes. Okay. It, they, the intensity wasn't there. And we talked to a lot of the players leading up to coming out of the pause in the first week of phase one, what all that stuff is. And there were guys that still didn't remember. Nobody even came back at first. It was like five guys that were in town. Guys were waiting. Some guys said, we really haven't been doing anything. We've just been resting. And it's, listen, if, it, if that strategy would have worked, then every team would be like, man, we should have just really rested the horses. I saw other teams, even Tampa, they went through their little COVID problem there, but they were on the ice seven, eight, nine guys before phase one even started, and they were getting after it. And I just feel that the Blues were maybe a little late to the dance, and then even once they got to the dance, they didn't treat it very seriously. And it's really, really hard to just flick the switch ordinarily. Imagine now coming out of the pause and doing all that stuff. I just think if there's one thing that as a coaching staff and as a leadership group for the Blues, they should have approached all of it with more intensity in order to almost fake it, fool yourself into being intense at that time, even though the games might mean squat at the end. But maybe they did. Now, you look at now you end up with the Vancouver matchup, which wasn't a great matchup for the Blues. Maybe a Calgary Flames matchup would have been better. Had they beaten Dallas, they would have gotten Calgary. And Calgary was minus Matthew Kachuk for almost the whole series. Like, maybe that would have been better. So maybe it was important that they win a game right. around Robin. Yeah. I, I want to I ask you specifically about the play of Colton Pareko. Um, he is somebody that obviously the Blues don't win the Cup without him last year. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible young player. But it definitely looked like there were times, um, kind of almost to the extent of what you were saying with Vince Dunn, where – there would be the easy play, but somehow he would make it way more difficult than it needed to be. Am I reading that wrong? Did he not have a great series? No, he didn't have a great series, and I love the guy so much. He's such an awesome guy, and he epitomizes really what you want your defenseman to be like, especially a young D-man. Look, I think there's a lot going on there. I think that the the talk of Alex Petrangelo being an unrestricted free agent, guess what? Every single person has said, well, they got Pareko. They got Pareko. Right. And I've said this for a long time, guys. Colton Pareko is not Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. He's just yelled at me once about it. Yeah. I did. I probably did. A little (laughs) bit. But he's not. And so when you look at the the pressure mounting on this young man, knowing that the series wasn't going great for the team, and now all eyeballs turn to Colton Pareko. He's our stud defenseman. He'll shut down Patterson. He'll shut down so-and-so. It wasn't happening. And – he he didn't have Jay Bomeister. As much as we think that Marco Scandella was great and fit in good, he did, but he wasn't quite the same per- player either when he came back, whether that's a combination of him and Pareko not meshing well, maybe the stress of it, maybe not doing enough in the break, whatever it is, it wasn't the same dynamic. So, And also, too, let's not forget, guys, it it is assumed that Colton Pareko uh, battled COVID, Okay. He was unfit to play for a certain number of days, and then all of a sudden was back in full tilt to never miss again. Which that's, tells that's me, not a high ankle. That's not a high ankle. It's not yeah. a groin injury. It's not a pinky that you know got slashed. We can only assume that it's COVID. And if you do that, you look at his play. You look at Vince Dunn's play. You look at it and you go, "Wow, 
maybe there's a little more to this medically. Maybe there is. And the number one thing they talk about is the breathing, mm-hmm. right? It settles in the lungs. And listen, I'm no doctor. Trust me. I did stay at a Holiday Inn one time. Yeah, you did. That's but right. But it doesn't yeah. it doesn't qualify me yeah. to be a doctor. However, I did see physical traits uh, of these guys not being the same right away. And maybe that was part of it, too. So I don't know. Wow. And then if there's two of them that had it, who knows if the others might have had it? Well, we do. People who didn't play up to snuff. Yeah. I, we, know, that, I know that's an easy excuse to throw no, out no, there. Uh, Look, guess, this is why they actually play the games, because any NHL team can beat any, any, any NHL team <laughs> at any given time. And Remind I, me to say that different next time. Well, and I think one of the... the or just don't say it. Not yeah, good parts good about this, because it's not good. But I think one of the great things about the NHL that is vastly underappreciated, and even by me who's a fan of it, man, the parity in the league is pretty friggin' good. Yeah, There's a yeah, lot of yeah. freaking really good teams. And you know what? There's a lot of fun teams to watch. So if you're not bringing the A game, there's a great chance you're going to get your ass handed right to you. And that's kind of what happened to the Blues. Tell me why I should not be concerned about the future of Vladimir Tarasenko mm-hmm. as a player. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, Tell us. At, at this point, You're asking Jeff, right? <laughs> I mean, at this point, okay, and, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I know that there has not. But so, in the past, we have heard issues about him not being in the best of shape. All right? And then maybe sometimes pouting when he is not put in the best position that he likes to be in. Then on top of that, you've got two major sur- surgeries on the same shoulder. I mean... What can we really expect of this guy going forward? And holy smokes, homeboy makes a bejesus ton of money and is a big part of the team going forward. So this to me seems like, and I know Petro is the issue of the offseason, but this to me seems like that this could be sort of right behind it and how the Blues handle this or find out what the hell's going on. Yeah, look, it's not easy to figure out, that's for sure. Now, as far as the money goes, he's actually a deal. He's actually a deal when you look at his contract. He's seven point five million on the books. Austin Matthews is thirteen million. Mitch Marner is thirteen million, right? Okay. So when you take into consideration that you have a point of game guy or in that neighborhood, seven point five is not really hurting you that much. Honestly, if you do if you look across the league, there are guys that don't do as well or don't score as well as Vladdy and they're making almost twice as much. So I think his contract now, at this point of the contract, is somewhat team-friendly. That being said, yeah, I don't know where you go from here, and I guess you have to figure out how serious the, the shoulder injury is, and then, yeah, you have a busy offseason. You're Doug Armstrong. You have some major decisions to make here. You've got two goaltenders. Your number one finished on a low note. Your number two goalie finished on a high note. And says he wants to come back. Says he wants, well, per his dad. Per his dad. Per his dad. Okay. dad well, my dad been, said so. Dad <laughs> may have been into the cough syrup. You never know, okay? <laughs> but per his dad, it would like to come back. You have Vince Dunn that's a young, restricted free agent. So odds are you're qualifying him and you'll do the arbitration thing. And worst case scenario, you do like you did with Joel Edmondson. You go to arbitration you settle on a number and you either keep them or you trade them at that point. Uh, and then you have, you know, Alex Petrangelo and Vladdy Tarasenko and Alexander Steen. You have a lot of question marks right now. And I don't mean as players, just as the GM, you have to think about what direction are we ultimately going to go in here? Because I think, I could be wrong, I think they have to get a little faster. I just think that watching the games right now, and again, it's tough to 
create a real evaluation because that wasn't the real blues that we saw here. But I do think overall they have to get a little faster. And when you put Cairo in the lineup specifically because he's fast, put Mackenzie McEachern into a role specifically because he's fast, then you're kind of telling the rest of the NHL, we need to get faster. And so it would be interesting to see what Doug Armstrong does. And, yeah, per Tarasenko, if if he gets healthy and somebody will give you a good deal on it or you can mop up the floor with a Jake Allen-Tarasenko package deal for something, I think Doug Armstrong has to look at it. Is that his first thing he's looking at when he goes into the, the GM's office? No. Right now he's trying to figure out how do I keep my captain? Can I keep my captain? How do I keep Vince Dunn motivated here? How do I get my team back to the Stanley Cup? All right, so it's the day after or two days after or whatever, so it's very, very early to start this, but I'll be the one to start it. What do you think the timeline is on Petrangelo? Well, he has quite a while. Right. He's got quite a while before unrestricted free agency. I think he's got until, what, September or October 1st? Oh, God. I think. I think that's what or, be it, forever. Well, and Heck, the, it might even be October 8th. I don't know. It's kind of like been moving back and forth. The reason bit. why I ask this is you've planted in our heads before that it's not like they were watching the playoffs and the playoffs are over. Now they go, okay, let's see who we need to sign. They've at least been thinking and working and, and here's what we're going to do in this scenario. This is what we'll do in this scenario. But how long do you think that'll take? And is it is it better for him or them if they take longer? Or does that not matter? Um. Because I tough. guess nothing until the, it's a lot of different strategies that can be applied here. And are you really thinking strategy at this point? I, I truly think the Blues have a number in mind and a term in mind that they're willing to do. I don't think this is tough. I think the Blues come to the table and go, "Here's our offer. Like, here's what we're thinking." And Petro either says yes or no. If it's no, maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room. But if not, then it's unfortunately it's over. Yeah. Because even though we are talking about Alex Petrangelo, someone that we love, someone that is our captain, we cannot put ourselves in a position of overpaying and maybe paying too much or, or, or going a couple of years longer than we need to or a little bit because we just don't have that financial flexibility to be able to do that sort of thing, right? Yeah, you'd have to make sure that the contract is is team-friendly. And, and the, the way I look at that is, yeah, maybe you overpay Alex Petrangelo for the first three years of this deal, and then it tapers down to where, you know, your average overall is like a 75 and you can handle that over the course of the contract, and maybe you're paying him 11 the first couple of years, and it works its way down to five in the tail end of the contract, and you find a middle somewhere in there that's below what he should be actually being paid. But you don't know what the term is. I think Petro wants a seven- or an eight-year deal. I really do. And he's 30. He just turned 30. He's getting better all the time. And after the pause, I still think he was one of the best defensemen uh, on on the Blues team and really consistently throughout the playoffs, he was the guy that if he didn't carry it out there, then nobody was. So if you're the GM and he's asking for seven or eight, are you are you in on that conversation? Um, I think if I'm the GM, I'm starting with five with him and just saying, you know, basically your wiggle room is you can work me up to six, but five is my magic number. So how do we get to a good – and salary cap hit in five years. How do we financially make sure that you're happy with this deal? Now, you may, to go five years, you may have to overpay. You may have to give him $12 million in the first two years. 
and then, you know, lower it down to seven over the last three years or whatever it is to make it so that it's worth his while so that overall money ends up being pretty close to what he'd have uh, as it is. But if Petra wants that seven-year deal, that's why I think six is the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I think I think Petra would come down to six, and if the Blues would come up to six years, I think there's a marriage to be had there. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Like, do you know how many teams are looking for a number one defenseman? I was just getting ready to ask. Most I mean, of them. Is, is, <laughs> I mean, is is a team like Toronto going to throw down nah. eight years? And well, they don't probably don't have the money. They don't have the cap space That's unless right. unless unless this get crazy here. Okay, unless you make a bunch of movements as the Blues and you try to orchestrate a trade before the. the Restricted, unrestricted free agency hits, and you trade with Toronto, and they send one of their big scorers back this way. Maybe a William Nylander comes back in the deal to the St. Louis Blues, and Petro goes up there, and it's almost a wash for money. Then, yeah, that's maybe the only way Toronto gets a player like Alex Petrangelo. All right, I, I just I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse about the situation. Well, here, I'm going to say this. Makes me feel worse. Okay. <laughs> for, for one, and I you just bring in the truth. Aren't well, you? and I think for two, but but seriously, a point that I that I absolutely wanted to make before we were done, and whenever that is here, this is not the Blues of five years ago or ten years ago. There is a different team here. Yeah, I look forward to this team getting run the way they did, coming back next year going, oh, sons of bitches, we got some stuff to prove because I think this is a team that can take that ball and go with it. Obviously, there's lots of things between here and there that we got to get to, but I feel like this is a Blues team that can respond and can continue to be good and that maybe this was a bit of an anomaly. You know, I, I mean, don't maybe have that's the, not the right word, but you know, I don't have the desperation as a blues fan as I and I did in the past. I know that they can overcome something like this. They got to move around a few pieces. There's still a decent core there that they can work with, and like you said, I think they're being run better now too. So the future is still bright. I just couldn't I get so. mad like just some got of the our pe- ass slapped as all we did. Yeah. I, just, I just couldn't get as mad as everybody as some of the people on Twitter on Friday like. The last year and a half of hockey had been some of the most fun sports memories that I'd ever had. Yeah, and it was just on Twitter. I was like, guys, come on. Yeah, man. Typical blues, really? That's right. Blues, right, right, right. Just another blues disappointing season. You're right because we weren't hammered this time last year celebrating with the Stanley (laughs) Cup, right? Like I may have come home with less clothes on than I left the house with last year at this time, (laughs) and that's pretty hard for you to do, right? You know, that was two years ago. Never mind. Yeah, it's all a blur. (laughs) Well, uh, gentlemen, do we got anything? else that we want to touch on before we're done? The one thing I just want to touch on is you guys mentioned how, you know, the way this team is run now and this culture that's been created, right? If you lose Alex Petrangelo, you're taking a piece of that culture out. 100%. And what people don't realize is he's a unique personality. I Personally, he's a good friend of mine, and I really enjoy him, and we've done a lot of work together on the ice and talk a lot. But he's a leader, He's a, he. Everybody always talks about Ryan O'Reilly putting in the extra work, the extra work. Guys, it's been unknown for years, but Alex Petrangelo does the same stuff. He's on the ice all the time. He's in the gym. He's always the top guy in the fitness testing in every category, and he doesn't take crap from anybody. You can't bring your C game to the rink. You're going to hear about it. And it's not like he's a big, bad dog in the yard, but he barks. And mm-hmm. you're going to know where you stand. And so... I think that part of what you've built here is sitting right there in number 27, and I think we have to proceed very 
cautiously here, making sure that you don't chip away at that culture too much to where now two years you're working at trying to get it back. Boy, right. because because then, I mean, we're talking about, but and I'm not going to start getting worst case, but I mean, if you lose a Petro and then you've got maybe Steen with some health issues or, or maybe he isn't 100%. I mean, then you got, you know, two guys in the locker room that were absolutely uh, gigantic parts going forward. Schwartz, he's got one year left on his deal. They're going to have to buck up or trade him. Um, you know, so now you're down to your two top guys up front are Shannon O'Reilly. Tarasenko's a question mark. Pareko's still a young, up-and-coming guy. He's accepting a lot more responsibility. But you see where I'm headed here, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, we have to be very, very careful that we don't end up like we were six years ago. Right. Ain't going to happen. There's too much positive going on right now. That's the way. And we don't have to wait a long time. Was it December? Yeah, I don't know. They're, it, it keeps like move. They're moving it around. I think it's a, as they say, Jeff. It's a fluid situation. It's a fluid situation. All I right. think they do have like a hard deadline, but I don't. I, I haven't been paying attention. I thought we'd still be playing. <laughs> I really thought <laughs> after this Good conversation yeah. today, I was going to feel better. Nah, I don't. Not so much. I I, I, I really. <laughs> I'm sorry, Donnie. <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't. I, I think I, I. You know, man. I, I just. Uh, I don't know. It's funny that the success from last year and then the success of everything before pre-shutdown, it just goes to show you what a slap in the face this is when you come back down to earth. Because we're all riding high with the defending Stanley Cup champions, and I'm doing blue notes before the broadcast going, oh, this Vancouver team, you know, and this all this other BS. Uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you how stupid yeah, I am. go, Jeff. La- last Thanks, podcast man. that we did in this room, the very last one, the Blues were in Markstrom's head. Wrong. The Blues were going to win the series. Wrong. Uh, the 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 Blues were in Vancouver's head. Wrong. I'm going to stop watching sports. I said, "Welcome to hell, Vancouver." <laughs> That's right. Wrong. Oh my god. Okay. So before we go, just real quickly, who uh, has your heart in the playoffs now? Okay. So I'm going to talk about this today on our show. I have officially adopted a team. Okay. Ooh. the The obvious choice you'd think is that. Oh, the Lightning, you know, Pat Maroon, the big rig. Let's go get him another Stanley Cup. I am cheering for Tampa in the East. The Vegas Golden Knights are my team. Reavers. Reaver and Stasny. And, you know, a lot of that team is still the land of misfit toys, right? They got picked up in the expansion. You know, Marcheseau is still scoring goals. and, And Nate Schmidt and... You've got the McNabb on D, like all these guys that were just discarded. Alex Tuck, like people are like, who the hell is this guy? Right, right, yeah. And he's like dominating. And I just, I love the way they play physical hockey. Last night was just a schoolyard beatdown. And I just, there's something about that team. And with Paul Stasny and Revo being there, those are two. One, Paul Stasny, St. Louis born kid. Absolutely. And Revo is a St. Louis Blues for a long time. Let's see these guys get their cup ring. So I'm adopting Vegas. Yeah, I am as well. And if you want to be entertained, last night, Reeves and Roussel. Roussel. Oh, go go to Twitter. Oh, my God. Wasn't he giving a buck buck? Yeah, he's giving him the chicken. So remember our last podcast I'm talking about? I'm like, this is a guy that now is like NHL 2020 tough guy, right? Right. Yeah, well, Ryan Reeves is still a tough guy from the past. Uh Like an actual tough guy. Yeah, and so where was Roussel and all this, right? He was so rattled. He took a 10-minute 
commit misconduct on purpose so that he wouldn't have to be out there against Reeves anymore. Went over and poked him and then hugged yeah. him? Yeah, he was like, just please, referee, throw me out of the game so this guy doesn't bash my face wow. in. Wow, and then Reeves is over there waving at him. Waving and the, oh giving him kisses. And When's their next game? Is it tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. They got. I'll tell you what they got to do. They got to get that off of the 930 yeah. start. They've got to get that down to a 7. Reeves that is game, prime time, baby. That what? I said Reeves is prime time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, as always, this is fun. I can't wait to do it again and have more uh, hockey to talk about. The Last Minute Blues podcast, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, you know, it won't be until December. Let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.